need God's help to enjoy God's rewards and understand his holy scripture. Father, please open us to your word as Matt teaches us from this wonderful story with its poor heroine and prosperous interlude set in the midst of a dark and dangerous time. Help us apply its lessons to our own time with its prosperity and poverty and serious dangers. Starting in the second chapter of Ruth, verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. For you have comforted me and spoke in kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, 
The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Be to Christ. If you were here last week or familiar with the Bible, you know the book just before Ruth is the book of Judges, and while the book of Judges is very interesting, it's also very violent and terrible. Um, and in many ways, Ruth is, is a sweet antidote to us, to Judges, after reading it, studying it. It also happens at the same time. The, the book of Judges ends with um, the phrase, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, which you're familiar with the Bible means it was really, really, really bad. And yet there were places where men and women were faithful to love of God and neighbor. In a time when everyone does right, what's right in their own eyes, the people's hope, their ultimate hope, was in the Lord. Depending on when they were alive, and we don't know from the book of Ruth exactly when, if there was a judge around or if there was one of the times that there was peace after the judge or it was one of the times of darkness amidst the judge. So they might have some kind of medium hope in the... Oh, sorry, their big hope would be in the Lord and, and perhaps in a judge, the things that are relatively out of their control, right? They would have kind of a medium-level hope in the elders. Later in the, in the book, you're going to see Boaz engaging with the elders of his town because there, there were laws about how to do the things that we see happening in Ruth, both taking care of the poor people, Boaz goes above and beyond with that, but also um, taking care of Naomi and her family. I'll get into that story in just a minute if you're not familiar with it. But their daily hope, and this is where the book is so encouraging to us, the daily hope is that we can respond to God's steadfast love in ways that will be esteemed small, but are actually powerful in his sovereign and good hands. Nothing that happens in this whole story is remarkable. God doesn't show up in a pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. None of the prophets show up and perform miracles. No one walks through a sea. There are no big battles. And isn't that like most of our lives? Maybe something remarkable will happen to us in the esteem of our town or perhaps even our region, but probably not for most of us. And in that, there's such encouragement for us that receiving the steadfast love of God by faith and then responding to it in His hands 
will create a beautiful, beautiful story. I should always prepare myself when Mike leads worship to not let myself be distracted because he almost ruined like a quarter of the sermon because I'm like, oh, the link between the rewards that Boaz talks about and the way Jesus talks about rewards in the Sermon on the Mount and then the way Jesus talks to the disciples about this, and, then revel- and then I was like, nope, nope. Don't rewrite the sermon four minutes before the sermon. But the reason I'm so glad he picked that for the verse for us to hear a few times is the Bible doesn't shy away from the language of reward. Even though it's not a, a reciprocal relationship, it's not if you do this for God, then he does this for you. It's far greater than that, as C.S. Lewis wrote about and Mike reflected upon. The story of Ruth begins in tragedy and uh, relative surprise. Ruth's um, father-in-law's name was Elimelech. Mother-in-law, you heard about Naomi, and they were living in the nation of Israel, but there's a famine. And they move with their two sons, Malon and Chilion, Those of you thinking about pets in the future, the Bible is a storehouse of terrific pet names. (laughs) And they have two sons named Malon and Chilion who marry Ruth and Orpah. We don't know which husband because the story quickly gets to and they die. And Naomi chooses to go back to her people in Israel. And if you're familiar with the scriptures, and especially Numbers and Joshua, you know that uh, Israel does not have a very great relationship with Moab. If you're familiar with the story of the prophet Balaam and his donkey that spoke to him because he was being a jerk, among other reasons, and how Balaam wanted to curse Israel, that he was a Moabite. And there were descriptions of how can a Moabite become an Israelite, but there were cautions because the Moabite people were very unkind to the Israelites. And yet here's a story where a Moabite woman is the heroine of the story. See, there there are prescriptions in the law that taken out of context sound very, very odd to us in 2022, such as do not intermarry. But those laws were in place because they were not to take on the gods of the people around, the violent, sexually exploitative gods of the Canaanite region. If those people were to give up those gods, they were welcomed and called sojourners. And there's provision for them in the Ten Commandments and in all of the law. So what's surprising is that Ruth chooses to stay with Naomi. She says, Naomi says to her, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods which is a key to understanding this story and understanding God's protection and provision for the people of Israel when they were surrounded by other tribes. See, your sister-in-law, Orpah, has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord, if you're looking at your Bible, you might notice that all four of those letters are capitalized. That is the personal name of God that Ruth not only knew, but by faith received as her own. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death 
parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more, because it was a heck of a speech. It's also a speech peppered with covenant language from the earlier scriptures that at this point were uh, an oral tradition. They were written down, but I doubt Ruth had a copy. And the way Scripture works is challenging to many of us that long to understand, that long for our faith to be deepened. And this is one of the lovely times where we have a dark season in, the, in Israel's history reflected in the book of Judges. And then we get a zeroed-in picture of a number of folks responding to the steadfast love of God by loving Him and their neighbors well. Sometimes we know a lot of details, like how much barley Ruth takes home. And a lot of times we do not know details, and that is where our faith is challenged, if it has a pulse and we wrestle with questions. But the way that Ruth responds is a key to us. If you're challenged by Scripture, stories in the New Testament and the Old can seem harsh. Go back to Ruth's response to these challenging circumstances, and something along the lines of her response is our opportunity. And most of the time that God responds harshly, though sometimes there's still a penalty, there is not a response like this. And when there is, he relents. The reason that um, I outlined the story this way about Naomi and the Lord is because how did Ruth get to this point that she wanted to serve the Lord and not her gods? That she wanted to stay with Naomi and not her family? Naomi would not have sent her back to uh, wherever she came from in Moab if she didn't have family. I believe it's through both the friendship of Naomi and learning about the Lord as compared with her Moabite gods that we do not know a lot about, but we do know enough I think, to compare them very unfavorably with the Lord who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So Naomi and the Lord befriend Ruth. What did Ruth see and hear and understand about the Lord? Both what was told, but also what was lived out by maybe Elimelech, whichever one of the men she was married to, Malon and Chilion, but certainly from Naomi. We know this, right? As we grow in friendship, we become closer or we kind of boundary and the relationship's going to get this far and no further. Naomi was such a good friend to Ruth and Ruth believed that that, was, that flowed out of Naomi's faith in the Lord that she wanted to be with her, and not only that, she wanted to go back to her land and continue worshiping the Lord and not the local gods of Moab. Whatever happened to convince Ruth happened through friendship. And that's how we live out our, our hope, friends. Peter says, be prepared to give an account for the hope that is in you, and some of you have had to do that a lot more than you would have preferred. Some of you have almost never had the opportunity that you thought you would have when you heard someone preach a really powerful sermon on sharing your faith. This is how we live out our hope, friends, is in friendship. 
not more and not less. The people in your life that are not Christians, I hope that you long for them to become Christians. I hope that you pray for them. And your opportunity to give an account for the hope that is in you is through friendship. In all of its imperfections and seasons, the reality that you're a very imperfect vessel, as am I, this is what we have to offer. Through Naomi's words and actions, Ruth learns of the covenants and that when God makes a covenant, he doesn't break it. And she learned things about his character that are reflected in verses 15 through 17. And the first thing that, Naomi, that we see Naomi inviting her to do is to grieve. Pretty challenging to invite our friends to grieve with us, yet that's part of relationship and friendship. Perhaps one of the more profound opportunities in friendship and relationship is to grieve and to remember to grieve. Write down anniversaries and birthdays and send a card or a text or a phone call or to stop by. It's not fun, but it's good. So Naomi and the Lord befriend Ruth, and then Ruth serves beautifully. She gleans in the field. Um, we learn that Boaz is an honorable man and that his staff respects him. He's not a naive man either. Get to that in a little bit. Boaz is more generous than the law requires. I think there's an interesting anecdote there for us. We think, oftentimes, left to our own devices, that we'd be more generous if we had more or made more. Statistically speaking, humans get less and less generous as they make more and have more. The Bible would set aside that question and would simply encourage us in this particular case through the example of Boaz, do not wait to be generous with either what you have or what you make. Ruth and Boaz's first encounter that Mike read about was Ruth's idea because she knew enough about the system to know that the, the nation of Israel takes care of all of the people within it, aliens, sojourners, and the people, the poor, those that have position, and those that do not. The second encounter is Naomi's idea. And make no mistake, and don't lose it in the language, Naomi said to Ruth, go and propose to Boaz. I was looking back over the story, and because the, the language is so interesting and the customs is uncovering his feet and, and laying there and showing him that she trusted him to protect and take care of her family, it is a proposal. Somewhere north of 3,000 years before 2022. This is how we learn that Ruth is bold and nervous to say this because 45-year-old male from Oklahoma. As far as I can tell, bold women are described differently than bold men. Am I wrong? Scripture not, doesn't do it, though. 
The scripture affirms women who were not just bold, good and kind and lovers of God and neighbor, but also bold. Whether it's Abigail, Deborah, Jael, Esther, Lydia, Joanne, Joanna, Joanne, who's that? Joanna, Luke 8, Mary Magdalene, the multiple women listed in Je- Jesus' genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, are all bold. They're all put into positions where if they don't speak up, they're going to get lost in the shuffle. They're going to be marginalized, and they speak up, and they step forward boldly. I'm not going to try and summarize how the culture responds to bold women. I want you to understand that the Scripture honors it, honors them. Naomi and the Lord befriend Ruth, who then serves Naomi beautifully until Boaz redeems the family and the land. And this is a little bit complicated to us because we're not familiar with a theocratic system. We're not familiar with a system where God gives land to certain families and it stays in the family, but it must be passed through the male generations. Though there's provision for women owning land when there are not male children, see the end of the book of Numbers. Boaz is choosing something that I think he's interested in that will reduce his legacy as far as he knows. Now, we're talking about him 3,000 years later, so obviously his legacy is intact. But when he chooses to save Elimelech's line, he believes he's setting aside his own family line. Boaz does the right thing at what he assumed was great cost to himself. And oftentimes, as followers of Jesus, doing the right thing, especially doing it in the right way, is costly to us, if only in the short term, though there's a, if only in the short term. Boaz not only does the right thing by redeeming the family, by giving Naomi a, a son who will continue the family legacy and continue to receive the family land, He does it the right way. There is someone who is in line before him to redeem this family should this person who's unnamed, he's just called the Redeemer, want to. But it's interesting the way Boaz presents it. Because first he just says, hey, do you want to redeem them? And then he like tells the long story of what it might be like. And the Redeemer says, no, thank you. And I love that because sometimes when we say to do the right thing in the right way, it can sound naive in the world. There's nothing naive about Boaz. And I believe he wants to do this both because he was a man who followed the Lord and he was interested in Ruth. I think that's clear in the text. But he is still doing the right thing in the right way without being naive. When the story of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz is in the scriptures because it happened. But I believe the reason it's written down is to remind us, and I think we know this, when we stop watching the national news and stop watching the regional news and we're a little bit frustrated by it, like we might be frustrated after reading the book of the Judges, we wonder where hope is. We wonder what role we have in the world. And what Ruth tells us is our small, as we would esteem it, Moves of friendship 
in his hands are woven into a beautiful story of redemption. Most of that redemption, most of the good is veiled to us. When we're in heaven, we will know more of it. After Jesus' return, he promised to bring, he promises to bring his recompense. This is your fault that I'm talking about this. We will understand all of it eventually. But in our lives, we will understand in part. But we can still trust that small acts, as the world would esteem it, of neighbor love, because of God's steadfast love, are beautiful and good. And in his hands are woven into a story of redemption that includes the whole world. I hope that encourages you. There's only so much encouragement we can receive nationally and regionally. But there is a great deal of encouragement about your life and vocation and the people that God has put into it. And it is found in worshiping Him and then in light of His steadfast love, loving well. Which we are actually empowered to do because He is that gracious to us. Would you pray with me? God, I praise and thank you for this story, for its beauty, for the friendship and the honor, the wisdom of the characters. Lord, we we long to love well in our best moments. We ask that we receive by faith your love and then offer it to the neighbors you have put into our lives. Amen.